Yes. Welcome to Game of Owns. <laughs> we're back. We've been here, but we're back to the basics. As in, we're back to the on season. As in, let's make it to the twins. As in, a storm of swords. Yours truly, Micah and Eric. We're here. Hello, everyone. Hey. <laughs> I was waiting for people to say hello back. You know, we always say hello, everyone, and then we don't hear This week's from. episode of Game of Thrones was recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> they are all very busy right now. They're they're silent and busy. Strike is actually entertaining them, and uh, they each have individual dog treats. So as they feed my dog, we are sitting here in front of a, a very... Uh, echoless chamber it's very uh soundproof room uh in front of all of these people and we're recording this new episode we're happy that you all have joined us it's been a few weeks since we've been back to normal form but we hope that you have enjoyed mm-hmm. the recent episodes and we know that we've had a blast making them and just in general before we start off can i say whew, take a deep breath what an exciting build up to season five it's been and we have 21 days left as of recording this episode mm-hmm. three weeks yeah. that's it three weeks it's unreal um but we've had a lot of fun though you mentioned the previous couple of episodes i know uh having Aussie men come on uh was a treat yeah a for me i mean i don't know about you guys but he's fucking hilarious and yeah uh, just being able to talk with him for it was it probably about two hours he's uh He's he's got a a lot of fire inside of him, and you know he's just cracking jokes left and right. And then Andrew last week, uh, getting to talk a little bit of spoiler content, looking at the trailer, what you know we can expect in season five. I know a lot of people enjoyed uh, that episode. So uh, as you mentioned, though, now it's back to the basics. It's it's the yeah. three of us, and uh, we get to jump into uh, a couple chapters here. The penultimate chapter with Catalan. <laughs> we we were so scared of doing this that it, we you know we took a couple weeks <laughs> we just off. Put it off. <laughs> it's it's pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. Last week's episode obviously um, wasn't able to listen. Eric also had to leave the room and wasn't able yeah. to listen. You didn't press yeah. your ear to the door theoretically or no. literally did you? No, I didn't. Okay, so Eric and I remain unsullied. I wanted to listen badly because it's, you know, it's Game of Bones. It's it's the show that we all make together and I heard really great feedback from Friends that actually listen to the show that are more interested in the book. Some of my friends are book readers. Actually, all of my friends are book readers because most of the people I know that enjoy Game of Thrones actually bite the bullet. I, it shouldn't be bite the bullet. They get to enjoy the books, unlike Eric and I, unfortunately. For you, we remain unsullied for your pleasure. For your pleasure. It's- not I for our pleasure. I got a text from my buddy Eric uh, a few days, my other friend Eric with a K, a few days ago, and he was like, oh my God, I wish that you knew. I wish that you knew. <laughs> and, and it's kind of sad, but my, I, I, luckily, the, the long story short, it's, this is a roundabout way to say um, folks enjoyed that collective uh, little release of, of, of tension, I guess, that you guys got to have together. That sounds more interesting than it is, I think. Are you <laughs> but, uh, talking about the spoiler episode? Yeah, it's talking about the spoiler episode. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that that was able to happen for, for you and for the rest of the people. It, it's interesting. It, it all kind of stemmed out of us, a group of us, actually, the night before had dinner. And uh, you, even at the dinner, you have to be very careful on what you say. I uh, didn't want to spoil too many people there. And, and you know, the decision was made, let's do a, let's do a spoiler episode. And it, it's always good having another person who's sullied. Uh, be part of the discussion, but then when you get the opportunity to talk one on one with somebody like that, uh, I thought he had a lot of great ideas uh, about you know certain storylines and and the reasoning behind certain decisions and just general theories uh, and and talking about 
uh, season five talking about beyond uh, book five, uh, you know, with the winds of winter, approaching. Uh, hopefully approaching. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I know we have a little bit of news about that, but uh, yeah, it's always great to have those discussions because I, I do have to be careful in, in my conversations with both of you because I just don't want to let anything slip. I mean, I, I feel like that would be unfair. I mean, Zach can always edit it out at the end of the day so that the listeners right. don't hear it. But I can't edit it out of my brain, though. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, <laughs> you could tr- maybe you could try. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, there are ways. No, but uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, being friends with both of you, I would I would not want to do that. You know, I want you to organically experience things as we read through. Um, and, you know, we get to enjoy the TV show together, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun to be able to do that uh, last week. Well, we've made it this far, Eric. High five. Yeah, high five. Yep. Yes, nice. now we we come together uh, in in terms of the show. We're all going to be unsullied, I feel like, uh, headed into this season. That's, yeah. That's the good word. That's what I hear. I also hear that George R. R. Martin is clearing his con schedule to finish the Winds of Winter, to echo what this you makes were saying, me, This makes me happy. This huh? makes me really happy. Huh? Huh? Not too mm-hmm. bad. It makes Eric's ha- Eric happy, but uh, it makes me happy, too. I, I... <laughs> course you were about to say something controversial and then you back down well i i feel like i've said this on the show before if if i were in george r. r martin's position where you know a couple years ago i was just writing this really elaborate and intense story you know a song of ice and fire and and then really because of hbo and because of what David and and Dan created, it blows up into this monumental television series. And that caused more people to pick up my book. Mm -hmm. I'd be looking to reap all those benefits. I'm not just talking about monetary benefits. I'm talking about, you know, being able to travel the con circuit because, you know, I'm I'm sure he was well known. There's other projects and other things that he's worked on, but not nearly to the level that he is now. And, And the demand that he's in now, I'm sure is, you know, 10 times, 50 times, 100 times higher than what it was before. So if I were in his position, there's no way that that I would want to turn down these opportunities. I'd want to take advantage of anything and everything that was put before me. You got to think about this. We've been to conventions. We know how this kind of works, but there are quite possibly – negative repercussions to him being at cons if he's as if he's at these cons i mean how many people you think walk up to him you know disrespectful people who should never have been allowed in the door are going to walk up to him and say finish the book why aren't you writing you know every opportunity every public appearance he makes is actually another opportunity for somebody who's jilted for somebody who is waiting for that next you know, thousand page tome to be released to give him shit about it. And I feel, I'm not saying, you know, and I, this article, it's not clear that, that he didn't say anything about experiencing, you know, negative stuff uh, mm-hmm. in this article, but I feel like that's a real risk that's being run. Uh, you know, if he were to continue to go to San Diego Comic-Con this year, you know, just all the places where like all the fans are, I, I can imagine it would just be, it would very quickly have the potential to grow out of control if people are thinking for one second that he is there because he 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 isn't writing or doesn't want to write. I think work is a process and I think that he's produced what he's produced so far and we have to trust that he'll, he knows what he's doing. So I've, I kind of consider this just not my business or not yeah. anyone's business. You know, it's just, it's, but I, I, I love that there are people that are so, and I, I count myself among them just with a 
slightly different way to handle it. But mm-hmm. I love that people are, are are excited enough and love something enough to to step into someone else's kind of domain and say, "Hey, you maybe should change what you're doing." I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's nice. Uh, the, the the thought is there behind everything. There's there's a there's a nice motivation, but I think it could be carried out in a different way. And I'd, I'd hate to make that be part of the reason why he's doing this. I'd like, I'd mm-hmm. like the reason for him to do this inside of his own mind, be his decision to say, I love doing uh, the con circuit, just zeroing in on one thing. Cause I know he's a very busy person aside from writing the winds of winter. He's doing a lot. So I'd like for this decision, if it were me to be something that was incepted on my own, rather than making a decision based on what loud screaming people are, are saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how can you begrudge the man, the opportunity to go to, San Diego Comic Con or, or to other events that are taking place, not just here, but throughout yeah. the world. And, and so, uh, I will say that, that the show has put him in a predicament more so than anything else because it's now either caught up or catching up to most of the storylines and the point of views that he's written in these books. And, you know, traditionally he's been somebody who has taken a long time in between releases. So for the the fans of the book series that have been there along the way, you know, this kind of time frame is not unusual to them. You know, they're used to it. Of course, everybody would want him to write faster, but now he's getting pressured uh to, to finish this book and and now we're starting to see it become more of a reality where he's actually publicly stating uh, I need to stop with all these appearances. I need to focus on finishing this book because if I don't, there's a very good chance that the show could end up spoiling a lot of what my readers have been anticipating for, you know, 25 years. Like Mr. Martin, I am hopeful. This was a piece of his blog post. He said, should I complete and deliver Winds of Winter, which he calls Son of Kong, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Before these cons roll around, I reserve the right to change my mind. So let's all hope that it all works out beautifully, right? Yeah, there these next go. couple of months, uh, he obviously didn't write this season for the show because of this. And that would mean to me, if he's able to finish the book prior to, let's say, San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. there's a good chance he'll be released at the end of this year. Interestingly, uh, Sue, Sue the Fury had a, a nice comment on that on this article on Watchers on the Wall. Um and she just says she would really prefer the editing process not be rushed. Right. She, fe- I guess she feels it was with Dance with Dragons. It's an interesting comment. Never, I've never heard that comment before. Um, but just like so her opinion would be that, uh, you know, it should it should still be given its its proper uh, run in the editing room. Definitely. Uh, and, it, you know, following his, of course, completion of the book. Um, so there's that. But even if it comes out, you know, early next year, spring next year, uh, I think it'll it'll answer a lot of questions for people maybe it'll you know somehow be uh, a point of reconciliation between what happens this coming season and what hasn't happened yet in the books maybe it'll have a lot of that stuff or you know in his own way the way that it was intended the way that it is happening in the books because after this book there's only going to be one left right that's the plan yeah that is the plan but yeah there's a very good chance though that the end of season five could leave a lot of open-ended and probably will leave a lot of open-ended questions that he's probably looking to answer in the winds of winter. So if, if he is able to get this book out fall winter of 2015, uh, I think it will kind of fill the oh, appetite of, <laughs> so, of, of book readers who, so who cool. watch season five. The thought of the HBO series spoiling things in the book has been a, a topic of our conversations um, mm-hmm. throughout 
this off season, and then just yeah, throughout the. So. This, I mean, it's just what we all talk about. It's all. It's, it matters. All of you listening understand. I don't need to set it up. You get it. Can we just say that George R. R. Martin, the man who created all of this, when he has his stage, when he has his book drop, the first book since the huge success of of this series. I mean, he's gonna. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. He's. Gonna, it's like you guys have been okay. There's stuff in the show that you think may point things in different directions. I'm gonna drop this book and it's gonna blow it all open. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? It's gonna be. It's just. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I wish. I wish more than anything that the day, the second it came out, um, I would be able to read it. This is. It's just hard. This is hard. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to be getting their winds of winter. Uh, they're going to be going to their midnight release parties, which I'm sure I'll be at. And they'll be like holding it up and like, don't show oh, it to gosh. me. I don't can even want to inside jacket. Yeah. Can you imagine showing up for like the midnight release parties and, and handing your book to someone else? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yep. I'm going to, we got it. Here you go. Well, yeah. Here you go, Micah. Oh, it's yeah. going to be so awesome. You know, they're going to be, they're going to be hardback. They're going to be amazing. It's going to be a great moment. And to all of you listening that are going to be there to buy it and read it that night and stay up like we did in days of old in our childhood in our teen years, oh, etc. Uh, I'm very jealous of you. Darn it. Darn it. Maybe I'll just go through reading like four Harry Potter books is the equivalent of reading one <laughs> song of ice and fire in terms of page count. Maybe that's what I'll do while everyone else is reading overnight. Well, bring on the page count. That's what I say. This book can't yeah. be big enough. That's, that's it. Th- no, I completely agree with yeah. that statement. Completely. 100%. I don't know what mysteries are happening in the books in, you know, come book five, uh-huh. uh, that need to be wrapped up. I don't know where characters are at. I'll reiterate that, but, uh, if it's anything like where the show is going, it, it'll be super exciting and super, uh, I don't want to say convoluted, but just rich with detail. It's going to be um, awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of rich, not to not to pivot too hard, I'd like to tell you all about a three-eyed raven. <laughs> My friends here on the show and also those of you listening at home, uh, Brewery Oma Gang, nice, nice folks. Just everyone involved with the show, nice, nice folks, uh, mm-hmm. sent over a nice gift wrapped in swaddling. And inside of this swaddling uh, were uh, delicious amounts of the new... Raven? <laughs> Actually, there was a raven. There was a stuffed three-eyed raven. I swear to Bob. What? Swear to George. Yes. So I have a stuffed three-eyed raven now. Uh, Strike tried to eat it. He was like, that definitely looks like a toy. <laughs> and I was like, no, this wouldn't bode well. You're a wolf. Uh, he's a three-eyed raven. Let's not go down this path. I felt like it was foreshadowing in my own life that I did not want to start with. And I know that some of the chapters today, or the chapters today that we're talking about, uh, I have a huge amount of that. So I try to stay away from it. Uh, it's a saison, which is it's. If you are familiar with our Patreon series, I won't make a double L joke here, Eric. <laughs> it's lighter than a. It's so darker than. A... Um, I know that Eric uh, and Micah are both very interested in beer. Micah specifically is a very boisterous Robert Baratheon like beer fan. Uh, Micah, are you excited to try this beer? Yeah, I, I I've really enjoyed all the beers that um, have been made themed Game of Thrones, and uh, I'll definitely be. I don't know if I'll be the first in line. I will be. That's because I will be. <laughs> I don't know if I, I like have to Sison give something Hill. to Eric. You know, it, yeah. Every yeah, once yeah. in a while, you got to let him shine a little bit. So. You can have one one spot ahead of me in line. That's what I'll yeah, give you. You know what? But I, I thought about it. You know, I was going to say first in line, and I think when I go to the local package store, you know, are you really the first? There's never anybody in line. Like, so. <laughs> But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and I know That's we'll cool. we'll taste it and we'll review it. I'm sure once we've all had a chance to yeah. uh, 
have a have a pinter five. Can I just say um, the best that they've made so far in this particular series? I'm a big fan of Brewery Oma Gang, and that's definitely because of their partnership with HBO and our relationship with them over the years. Uh, Phil mm-hmm. Leinhart came on last year. Check out that episode, guys, if you haven't listened to it. We talked it's a, a good lot episode. About He's the process. head brewmaster at, He's the brewmaster at Oma Gang. Yeah. yeah. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm also looking forward to going this summer, um, possibly during uh, one of the music festival series, but definitely touring the brewery this summer. And I'm hopefully going to bring you guys along. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Eric will finally get to go to Cooperstown. (laughs) Yeah, Micah, so far away. I was in a a store. I'm in Los Angeles, sunny Southern California right now. So and I was able to go to a store unlike that I've usually gone to during my travels. And I was vastly impressed by the selection. There's lots of Oma Gang things there. And inside was a generous helping of Valar Mogulis, the double ale that we love so much. Nice. Right? And I, like a very lame person, decided to get that instead of anything different. <laughs> Something that I've gotten and have had plenty. Uh, and whatever. So I was checking out. I want to tell you guys this story. I was checking out. And there were a handful of gals that were running the register area, and they were all individually excited about Game of Thrones. And they started chattering about the fifth season coming. They started chattering about wishing that they would have kept and collected the older beers. And they started uh. chattering about the new one that's coming out. And they were like, oh, I hope it's good. And I was like, me too, wink. <laughs> I didn't spoil it. but uh. So that's cool, right? This is, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to see. A community like this in, in yeah. all of the different places of the world and to see the scale of uh, the, the the expanse of the series and the joy it brings to those that like it. It's a mm-hmm. good thing to be a part of right now. 20 days remain. Just last night, I met a guy who has read all the books, too, at a party. And it's just like that was the one thing that uh, I could relate to. We talk about Thrones for, for a while. Uh, not spoilery, but uh, but still. Just yeah, Thrones, right. No, like sure. the fact that I know everything now, guys. Eric, Eric uh, has known everything since yeah, surprise. the day we recorded. He's a great surprise. actor. Wonderful I'm actor. The, well, thank you. Uh, no, but I, I really don't, and I really haven't. And uh, what Zach was saying about just, you know, these strangers, these uh, this group of ladies. He's very excited about about Thrones that uh, you you didn't know, and they, you just came to this store, and there they were, and they were talking about it excitedly, uh, mostly due to your purchase. And uh, it's exciting to see how excited everybody across the world is for this TV show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I what's your favorite beer, by the way, out, out of all of them that have been released so far? Mm. The new one, the Saison, is so good. Yeah, the Three Eyed Raven. It was Eric's excellent. gonna go with that, even though he hasn't drank. No, it no, no, no. I'm not gonna go. I, I'm gonna go. I, it's. I, I've had precious little of the Lannister Blondale, the first one. Um, I had it once, and it was at a theater, and it <laughs> you was had on just tap, a mouthful, <laughs> just a mouthful, and not not a a, a lick more. So I would say that that was pretty good from what I remember. But the uh, the Fire and Blood, um. Smoky is is my favorite. I thought you were a Blondale fan. Well, I I just said yeah, the Blondale, but I I didn't have enough of it to really remember or inform my opinion. Maybe you but had the, too much of it to remember. Yeah, I was going to say Fire and Blood Red Ale was 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 my favorite so far. It's beautiful that we can talk about this and talk about how long it's been out and just realize how much time has passed and that things are still going and they're still strong it and they still feel so exciting. It's it's yeah. great. I challenge all of you listening. If you want to put yourself in a situation to feel close to others that you don't know, which is a great feeling, wear a Game of Thrones shirt. Go buy a Game of Thrones beer. Listen to your podcast with the screen on on your phone, and maybe someone on the on the transit that likes Game of Thrones can also see it and think it's interesting. Yeah. Whenever we release the upcoming Valar Mozuisis 
I think that's how you say it. <laughs> All Mima Street Game of Own shirt. That yeah, that so or much of you Moses, have been for. Moses, I, I don't know. We got to ask that guy. Pick it up, wear it proudly, and enjoy season five with maybe people that you've never met and, and enjoy a different part of the world. Yeah. I was just going to add that I was uh, riding the train into work uh, this past week, and uh, there was a, a guy next to me who was reading uh, Storm of Swords. There you go. Works. And uh, he was getting t- towards a particular part of the book. You were reading his book? <laughs> well, was all- <laughs> he was right next to me, literally. Rebecca is a very close companion on uh, on public transit. Right. Well, ever if you've ever ridden you. public transit, everybody's a close companion <laughs> in New York City. Okay. Uh, so let's say he was getting towards the end of the book, uh, which caused a lot of controversy this past season. Oh. Uh, oh. We all know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had thought in my mind uh, about saying something to him, uh, depending on whether or not he reached that point in the story by the time we uh, we got into the station. Uh, I also thought about mentioning the podcast, but you know, it, it all depends on the situation because people on public transportation can be a little weird uh, about anybody actually speaking to them. Uh, so uh, I, I tried to uh, just let it go. Play it cool. Played it cool. Yeah. You slipped him like a little note or something. Like a business. Yeah, like on a post-it. Like a, hey, listen to Game of Thrones. Spoiled We do need business cards. Spoiled the ending for him right before he gets to it. He's like, oh, I've managed to ignore all of the spoilers until now. Thank you. But it it is amazing to me overall to see how many people are reading uh, the series, not just uh, Storm of Swords, uh, which I guess is a little bit more aligned with what uh, the last two seasons have been about, but you know, reading into uh, the future with A Feast for Crows, A Dance with Dragons. You see a lot of it, especially now with the season, as you mentioned, Zach, three weeks away. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's ramping up, so people are, are trying to uh, know what to expect. But I don't think any of us are going to know what to expect. That's that's the best part. I'm excited. And I'm excited to, to dive into this reading. Yes. I think that these chapters today, for me, Getting more perspective around what is happening nearby the Red Wedding, inside of the twins, approaching the twins, feeling the ominous presence of those towers, all of it made it much more for me. And I wasn't disappointed because I I wanted to feel this weight as it happened. I wanted to, to, to feel a clear difference between the show and the book. And I wasn't let down. There was a clear strength here that can't be communicated through the television series which is no. obvious to guess but it it was very present and i cannot wait to read the next chapter after these two setup chapters unbelievable right yeah no the twins are exciting i mean i'm going through uh the series again and uh there's that brief period in in season one where they have to cross the crossing and catelyn goes and treats with walter Frey and has to make the alliance make the agreement uh, which, of course, is um, what's the word <laughs> betrayed or, you know, Rob breaks his his solemn vow. But just learning, getting to see who Walter Frey is um, from the show perspective, too, to see if there's any kind of foreshadowing because the third book was out to see kind of how I can read that man. And then reading this uh, this book where, you know, they return to him after Rob has broken his vow and to just see how far he's willing to take 
treating them and, and just noting the vulnerable position that Rob and Catlin are both in and have been in ever since they left River Run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even since, you know, Lord Hoster died and things are just amiss with death and rain and all this stuff. And all that. they had to do was bring back Mrs. Norris and everything would have been fine. Oh, you man. killed my cat. <laughs> I'll, I'll kill, kill you. I'll, I'll kill, kill you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You raised a really great point because I remember, uh, because it just happened a couple of hours ago, reading through this chapter <laughs> and just the level of detail and the the foreboding, the ominous yeah. nature of how things are written. I highlighted Strong. a bunch of stuff, but the fact that the river, the Green Fork, is referenced as being a boiling torrent, mm-hmm. the gatehouse towers of the twins emerged from the rain like ghosts, hazy gray apparitions that grew more solid the closer they rode. And it's just this – if you don't know what's about to happen, you should get a feeling that Something's something bad's happen. coming down the road a Tension. in the next couple of chapters. Reaching a boiling point. And Catelyn, Rob, listen to me. Once yeah. you have eaten of his bread and salt, you have the guest right, and the laws of hospitality protect you beneath his roof. She hopes. You know, yeah. she is on it. She feels what's happening. The rain – has been falling so steadily over the course of these past few chapters and during our break with these last two episodes. The rain has been falling so steadily that they can hear the Green Fork before they see it. That the waters are so changed from the last time they were here that they need the phrase even more than they did before. Mm -hmm. Yet they come bearing apologies. They come with humility. They come with a terrible situation. The king... Being disrespected, the moment they arrive, Grey Wind mm-hmm. reacts poorly to their visiting, welcoming party. It's not going well. What is Grey the first thing said up. to them? They're like, is this how Stark makes an amend? A poor greeting, I call it, to set your wolf upon us? Is this why you've come? Just not a good, not, not a way, good way to start it. And this is the king, mind you. These people should be bowing and saying... Your grace. That's but. really the whole thing, isn't it? Because uh, Lord Walder Frey is a sworn bannerman to the Tullys and to uh, the North here. He doesn't owe uh, – Rob Stark doesn't owe him anything. Except now that the vow has been broken, he's able to play this this victim and he's able to insult. You know, this whole chapter spent insulting and really trying and taxing Rob and his mom and everybody. Uh, you know, they have to put up with insult after insult as a result of broken vow. But ultimately, Rob is his king, and he is behaving like a spoiled child. Um, there's even uh, Catelyn when she first walks in and, and sees the late Walder Frey, who does not greet them at the gates, which, by the way, is slight number one. Um, you know, says he looks like a child as well. There's this, there's this weakness, there's this frailty in his in his body where he can't get up and kneel or he's so he says um and he's sucking at the air like you know a baby sucking at its mother so there's a lot of uh, very interesting references to vulnerable states too because when you're a baby you're obviously very vulnerable you need somebody to care for you and there's this real harshness that uh walder wants to i don't basically his whole castle uh, inflicts upon Stark's men. It's just not a great welcoming committee for Rob, as you mentioned. Uh, you would expect a little bit more than than three sons and and grandsons of the late Walder Frey to 
to greet him upon his arrival. And we know that the weather is bad, but he has a letter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does. And you think that even at 90 plus years old, he could get his ass up and go out and be protected. He's got his own uh, wooden umbrella. So <laughs> it's, it's really uh, important that the rain is, is, is happening really because I think it masks a lot. Yes, it's, it sets the tone of – it reminded me a bit of, of Greek mythology as they arrive here at the Twins because it's almost like the river is acting as uh, – is it Charybdis? Yeah, oh. uh, uh, Charybdis, the uh, sea monster. I um, like this. Yeah. Um, the, the whirlpool actually, not yeah, the one in the cave. It, it just seems Scylla. like it, everything that is around it is about to be destroyed but – in terms of the rain, it, it really masks – even Catalan mentions it as she looks across the turbulent waters. Impossible to distinguish colors and devices. Most were gray, it seemed to her, though beneath such skies the whole world seemed gray. You're talking about banners. You're talking about yeah. the cloths that are that these men have as they're going in. Exactly. And she doesn't know what side they're on. If it they're was like, a bright sunny day, she might be able to distinguish or at least other people in Rob's party the fact that – there could be a lot of danger now uh, that has arrived at the twins, and and I think you get a sense of that uh, when you when we read the next Arya chapter, definitely uh, as as she comes across a lot of banners that she doesn't recognize. Well, I, I think too it does matter who has shown up for this wedding and who hasn't shown up. I know later in the chapter, after they meet with Walter Frey and Catelyn is given some some leave, some time to walk around, and, and you know ends up meeting with Roose Bolton. He tells her about the men that couldn't make it. And I want to talk a lot about that later, but in general, there's, there's these men that are loyal to her, supposed to be loyal to, um, you know, Rob, basically King in the North. And it's a question because even some of the phrase that have helped them in the past are not in attendance. There's the, the previous squire. There's the, uh, one of the phrase who had helped Catelyn previously also is not there. And it's, it's a real question as to why are these, you know, these strange absences are occurring. Something is, is off, uh, on the wrong foot. Catelyn has known this, and now that she's here, it's just this impending dread, like the pounding of a drum is just beating, beating down on her and getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. That's and, the opening uh, sentence of the next of the following Catelyn chapter. Yeah, right? that was intentional. Yeah, that's well <laughs> yeah. done. That's well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but no, like this whole this whole uh, chapter where. It's it's basically like the is Walder Frey torturing uh, Rob, just like the show. I think they pulled it off well, right? That yeah. just like you uh, want it to stop, you want it to end. I'm glad you mentioned the show because uh, again, in season one, when Catelyn goes to him, he complains to her that uh, Lord Hostertully hasn't attended uh, the last two of his weddings, and just like in general, he feels pissed on. Um, and it's it's really this this pride that uh, Frey is known to have. And of course, Catelyn warns Rob about this. Rob says, I know the Frey's mother. I know how much I wronged them and how much I need them. I shall be as sweet as a septon. <laughs> She's warning him that he's just going to get attacked, like really verbally, going to have to put up with a lot of shit when he gets in the room. Um, and he thinks he can handle it. And handle it, yes, he does. But Frey doesn't, is obviously not going to stop there. This was only the beginning you know, it's it's crazy to think this uh, has actually been planned in advance. What is going to happen with the seeds of which are, you know, happen in this chapter and, of course, the rest which conclude in the next chapter. Oh. That this is a grand plan that, that, that Frey knew that, you know, 
about this in advance, what he's about to do to the king that he should be kissing the ass of, but he won't because he's he's prideful. It's made so much worse when I see. I didn't know that this meeting with Roose Bolton took place this way, and he's in there with this pale pink cloak, and mm-hmm. he's helping strategize, and he's talking about future circumstances, and he's talking about Ramsey, and he's talking about giving justice for the dead Stark boys, and he's speaking about the Greyjoy threat in the north, and like I feel like they're actually making strategic moves, but in reality, he's just sitting there and being like, "Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's such." a cold and calculating move that he's about to play out in the next chapter, uh, or at least the next Catalan chapter. And it it's just all so reading it back through. It, it's just so hard because you see all the pieces of the puzzle coming together mentioned earlier is the fact that Greywin wants none of this. You know, he can sense it. He knows something is wrong. Yeah. And, the fact that Rob's men are put, you know, far away from him. If they will cross and set up their camp beside our own, uh, this is one of the phrase talking. We will bring out enough casks of wine and ale for all to drink. The health of Lord Edmure and his bride. We have thrown up three great feast tents on the far bank to provide them with some shelter from the rains. So the far bank, yeah, far bank. All of his men are going there. Uh, obviously the, the, the men of note are able to come into the twins with Rob, but mm. it should have been a signal to Rob. At least it would have made me uncomfortable if you're taking all of my men and putting them as far away from me as possible. And it's all done with this courtesy. It's all done with this hope, right? That, uh, this, again, this promise of wine for all of his men too. It's like part of the safety, part of the rules of hospitality that Catelyn says to, um, to Rob, she reminds him, she's really relying on them to, that's like their sole protector. Um, basically, I mean, as soon as the initial conversation with Walder Frey is over, that confrontation is over. She interrupts and asks for specifically for salt and, and specifically, yeah. And bread, uh, because the book says salt and bread. So if he gives you anything else, it's not protected, but salt and bread, please. Thank you. And throw it over your left shoulder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Walder knows exactly what's up, but um, it means shit to him. It he, means he doesn't shit to care. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like so promising wine for his men is also I think an extension of that where it's like, yeah, you'll be separated from them, but hey, we're all going to drink to the health of the the of Edmure and his and his new wife Rosalind. We're all very happy about that. And notice they ask about Jane Westerling too, which is oh, yeah. I, I found to be interesting because it's a big difference from the show when she is there. Um they ask about her and of course Catelyn and Rob actually lie and say that uh, she was too tired to come when we know in fact that she wanted to come um, but it's just not wise it wouldn't have been wise to bring her and the phrase play it off like oh you know she must be so beautiful for, for a king to break his vows uh, that we wanted to see just how beautiful she was so that we could be like vindicated to feel better about how you betrayed us all just so <laughs> just much like, tongue in cheek yeah, very, 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 very. Like, surely her beauty is the thing of legend. Mm-hmm. Rob, in this case, is not taking Lord Walder Frey seriously enough. Like, we mm-hmm. we know that's the case. He he was yeah. amused when Catelyn mentioned the rules of hospitality. And rightly so, he's comfortably a king. I think the last thing he's expecting is what does happen to happen. You know, I think that they expected the jabs and the way that the jabs were delivered. Mm-hmm. They expected him to say things like, save your royal breath, you do as well, talking to a chamber pot. 
Yeah. Like he's he's massively disrespecting the king. Uh you know, when we think about Great John, if if Great John were not holding his tongue for the sake of their of there because he's there in the room as well if, if he i mean knowing what he he does before when he takes up for rob like that man would have stepped forward and just decked walter frey in the face for that you know just like knocked all of his old teeth out but they're they're trying so hard to please the situation you know and it's just it george wrote a perfectly crafted scenario where a king that should be strong and proving himself in the face of all of the the danger and the trouble that they're facing Mm -hmm. he created a scenario where the king can enter a situation and need to be apologetic and need to be able to take these kinds of hits so we get this kind of tension in the story and we get this kind of ebb and flow that would not take place under normal circumstances and it leads to what it leads to which is a bit extreme so it goes from Lord Walder Frey's jabs and his immature mutterings to a very serious situation. And the only person that is really feeling it is Catelyn. Edmure mm-hmm. isn't. He's a bit distracted with finding out who his new wife is <laughs> and what she looks like. Which, can I say, I mean, I understand this is a period piece, essentially. Not necessarily actually, but essentially that's what this is. There is just an uncomfortable amount of, of interest on what this person looks like. I mean, even from Catelyn, she's well, you like... You mean like her hips? Everything. You know, ch- childbearing hips? Well, like, that's a thing. I, I get care it. care about that. <laughs> she went it. to the maester to find out yeah. if she'd actually be able to yeah. have children. I, I do think it, it, a lot of attention is being placed on this, and I guess it's just the time that they live in. I mean, I mean, I get it. Like I said, it makes complete yeah. sense, but geez, I mean... I, uh, I shudder to think. I really hope that. It, I mean, I'm. I don't want to be naive and say that. I hope that it wasn't this way in our world. I'm, I'm sure it was worse, and in some places it still mm-hmm. is. But um, for the love of God, like it's rough to be a, a girl in this situation. Just, just. Mm-hmm. I hope that I look good enough to be, to be accepted for whatever's about to happen to me against my will. It's just rough. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're 100 right. Really shitty. Yeah. And, really, and really to really have shitty. Catelyn judge this woman this way, well, I think it's it also be due, yeah. due to her. It's due to her uh, suspicion, right? Because we get this girl. We, well, my favorite part of this chapter is when Walder brings all his girls forward um, and, and makes Rob apologize to each and every one. Well, of she should have, by the way. All right, this apology should, is yeah, founded absolutely. because Rob, like a like a moron, broke his vow to yeah. someone that is already kind of an asshole. So. You should apologize to all of these girls, no matter if you're the king. And also, sorry that you have the dad that you have, because, or like the grandfather that you have, yeah. or something. <laughs> sorry for like, that, too. <laughs> sorry for that. Sorry for everything in general. But, um, that's like my favorite part. And then, you know, we get, we get to see Lady Rosalind, who Edmure is, is clearly like his jaw drops to the floor, like a cartoon character. And Catelyn is just trying to think of, you know, legit reasons why this is yet another slight, because <laughs> they've gotten nothing but slights ever since they got there. So Catelyn, you know, does her do like follow up. She keeps, uh, it to herself. She doesn't complain uh, to Edmure, who is uh, seeing stars right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Edmure asks after the fact, uh, you know, why would – this is a quote – why would the old weasel refuse to let me choose unless he meant to foist off someone hideous? So it's a situation where Edmure, again, wanted his pick uh, but but was not given it. Lord Walder has chosen this girl and he chose actually a pretty girl even though there were quite a few who – Edmure would have been forced to marry, uh, who would not have uh, pleased him visually as much. And, yeah. and this is it is a cause for concern. Mm. How how is it that she's actually beautiful or actually really pretty? She has this cute gap in her teeth, 
when why is he being nice when he hasn't been nice in any other way? I think he's it has nothing to do with being nice. I think he's being very calculated in how he's going about this because if he gives Edmure a pretty daughter to wed, there's a good chance then that Edmure will be happy. And Edmure is right now, River Run is his. Yep. And and any child that is born between the two of them, between Edmure and Rosalind, is heir to River Run. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that's what Walder Frey cares most about at the end of the day. Yep. And, 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 and I think also calculating in the sense to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, it's a great diversion, isn't it? Even for us, make us feel more comfortable. And if you, you remember, though, you this ugly girl, I actually gave you this beauty. Speaking of Rosalind, she's crying when she's first introduced to everybody. She knows? she knows something's up. Yeah, that is a good point. I I didn't consider that, but she and Walder is, uh, yeah. breaks in. You may weep and whisper after your wed, with his little cackling laugh. Oh shit! I feel this like sucks. Yeah. I want to jump through the pages and and throw this guy off of a very tall wall. I don't like this. I also want to jump. I hope he, like I, I really do hope he gets his comeuppance. At some oh point. my gosh! I hope we get to see him, John Bradley, come back on the show. I was thinking about that today, and just get mm. some shit, just a spear through his rectum, just something terrible. Wow! Okay, I'm yeah, so I was... angry about this. Not... You should be. You should be. Absolutely, should be. David I, Bradley, I think. I'm with you. Oh, oh David, David Bradley. Bradley. John Bradley is saying. Yeah, sorry. Well, no, I do what Same I can. Same thing. They, 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 they do what I can. <laughs> Sorry, John Bradley. I don't want your rectum to be. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, with with Walder Frey too, um, knowing what's going to happen, knowing knowing this whole thing, do you think that uh, Edmure is not going to hold it against Roslyn? Right. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Edmure since the Red Wedding in the show, mm. um, and I assume that I mean, well, having a pretty wife or a wife that you could probably grow to love, learn to love. Uh, is like the smallest consolation to the fact that your entire people were all slaughtered um, terribly. And when he finds out, heck, I'd I'd love to be in the room to to see that terrible response. But I feel like he ultimately probably won't take it out on his wife, right? He's not going to kill this this beautiful new bride that he has because he's probably uh, a little bit more bound to duty. Or mm. or how do you, how do you think? Do you think this is Lord Walder's uh, thinking that you know give him a wife that he's actually going to care about That's so that point. Ultimately, regardless of my actions, uh, he is going to deal with it and I'll still have that air. Or do you think Edmure's first reaction is going to be to kill his wife? Edmure doesn't strike me as a bad guy. I right. think that he's a he's a big time dunce and he's very thick. But I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of recoil that we're going to see. But at the same time, I feel like he's amidst his kind of lightheartedness. I think he's also fiercely loyal to the people that he loves, most likely. So I don't know. I know that Micah, you probably have gotten some time to know what has happened from reading forward. So I'm curious. I'm curious. Don't say anything. Just keep reading. I, well, that's that's the safest thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's a good um, point to bring up though. Edmure may not. Happens. Just given everything that we know, uh, probably is not in a position to do any harm, at least immediately, to Rosalind because probably we know that he is. Well, he's also still at the twins. At least that's where we left last left him. Right, uh, and we know what happened there. So 
you know, he's outnumbered as far as being able to do anything. You know what else I just thought of? He's naked. He's going to be naked during, <laughs> during the betting. Probably. So they're going to yeah. take his armor. They probably had somebody just take his weapons. They probably tied him up too. Just like, this will be sexy. <laughs> don't worry. And then like, okay, we need to tell you everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> we'll untie you when you relax. I, I have no problem saying that his storyline does continue. So we just have to read and, you know, I don't want to. No, that's Comment good. I mean, further, we, right. we'll find out more as as the story goes on. Good, because for me, I mean, he's he, well, he's, he is very clearly like a prisoner of high value uh, at the twins. It's like not only does he kill a king and his mother, and in the show, his uh, wife, the new queen in the north, and also um, all of the men and the dire wolf. God damn it! Mm-hmm. But also uh, to to have such a captive now as as Edmure, and just knowing that Bolton too is is like oh, behind it too. It's like Bolton has Edmure as a captive, just like Frey does, and it's like a really terrible position that it puts on the North and all these fucking Bolton men. Michael Bolton, <sighs> you dirty bastard! Michael I hate your Bolton, music, you bastard! I hate your music. No, <laughs> this does a great job to paint an even wider point to us. Which is all of these pleasantries? I mean, think of this for example. Edmure is the liege lord of these people. He's mm-hmm. he's the guy in charge of River Run, which these people all pledge fealty to. These pleasantries mean nothing when action happens. When things are shaken up, they mean nothing. Mm-hmm. The king is murdered at his uncle's wedding. His wife is killed in the show. Who knows what happens to his wife in the books? We'll see. His mother is, is murdered as well. Imagine what's going to happen when shit really goes down. None of this means anything. I think that's the point that's being driven home here, which is just relax, everyone. It doesn't matter who you say sir to. And I think it's echoed greatly in the next chapter when the Hound is speaking about how to talk to knights. He's just like, keep your head bowed low, say sir a lot. I mean, these are all people. And at the end of the day, they're all equal. And yet they have to be certain ways to each other. We're seeing, air quotes, small folk and hedge knights and their friends celebrating outside of a locked castle in, in lowly tents. And they're, they're saying the names of these people, and they're, they're toasting to the names of these people who are getting married. They're toasting to Rob and Queen Jane. They're toasting to Edmure and Rosalind. Mm-hmm. And these people aren't anything to these people and their friends, but maybe they're celebrating because these are the people that are in charge, and the people in charge have created a situation where I can sit in a tent with my friends and drink ale, and they supplied the ale. You know, so it's all it's all relative, and it all makes sense. So we, we, we respect the fact that there are these organizational structures that keep everything working. But this is a perfect example of the people that are in charge just saying, well, screw it. You know, we don't care about the, the way this should go. We don't care about the hierarchy. We want our own setup to be handled a certain way, and it, and it is. And we're seeing the whisperings of it begin now. We're seeing it being sort of teased in front of their face boldly. And Catelyn, I feel, is the only one wise enough to see it. And mm-hmm. she's just, she's not comfortable with how it's feeling. She's, she, I don't know. It's it's painful to read because I feel I feel like this would have been, this the Red Wedding wouldn't have been a surprise to me. Uh, reading it for the first time after these few chapters, especially this chapter. I mean, I can tell you, I didn't see it coming uh, when I when I was reading the books. I, I, having the ability to go through and read second time, I know there's plenty of stuff that we picked up in previous chapters, not just mm-hmm. you know, in, in let's say the last few Catalan or or other point of view characters that are relevant here. Uh, but 
just having interacted with other characters along the way, uh, you know, some of the Jamie chapters that we read and his interactions uh, with, with Bruce Bolton yeah. have have definitely lent themselves to you know hints, clues that this was uh, inevitably going to happen. And I think even in that final conversation uh, of this chapter, and Zach talked about it before uh, with with Bruce Bolton and. You know, Catalin notes that, that that this is a cold individual. Oh yeah, brings it up. <laughs> he and, just looks at her square in the face and, and talks about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I think if nothing else was telling, when she asks about how many men have you brought my son, and it says his queer, colorless eyes studied her face a moment before he answered. Mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, this dude's up to something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the fact that they're not having a conversation immediately about the words and exchanges and the fact that he just had dinner with Jamie Lannister and Brienne is a huge, huge indicator that it's a, it's a big red flag. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just mind boggling to me. I mean, it's easy to say now because we know what's happening that I, I feel like something that I would have seen something coming. I definitely wouldn't have seen exactly what happened uh, coming. I definitely wouldn't have seen it coming to the scale that it did, obviously. But. I mean, this the Bolton situation alone, let alone all the hints uh, through mm-hmm. the uh, descriptors, let alone all the hints through the conversations, and let alone Grey Wind. Just this conversation with Bruce Bolton, it's just like, you don't want him there when you know mm-hmm. what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And he could be full of shit. This whole story that he's telling Rob about encountering the mountain. Yeah, it has to be full of shit because uh... – or, I mean, doesn't it? Because uh, there's this alliance that we know of between Bolton and Lannister. And yet he tells Kat uh, that that he's lost some men, you know, crossing the river. That uh, he says, I delayed too long before leaving Harrenhal. Uh, and he says, hang on one sec. Um, Two thirds of my strength was on the north side when the Lannisters attacked those still waiting to cross. Nori, Locke, and Burnley men chiefly, with Sir Willis Manderley and his White Harbor Knights as rearguard. I was on the wrong side of the trident, powerless to help them. Uh, mm-hmm. Sir Willis rallied our men as best he could, but Gregor Clegane attacked with heavy horse and drove them into the river. Mm-hmm. So, are we really going to believe that one third of his of his men have just died and fallen to the Lannisters? Because if the Lannisters maybe and the he Boltons, set them up that way, though. Well, well, either the Lannisters and the Boltons are on such good terms that they wouldn't attack each other, or these were the men who might have been less loyal to exactly. Bolton specifically and more more loyal to. But Catelyn doesn't note that that the reference to these specific families being, you know, on a scale the most loyal to Winterfell is absent from this chapter. But I feel like we could probably infer through context clues that he either did just get rid of uh, all of his, you know, least loyal people. Uh, and gotten the Lannisters to do it so that it wasn't suspicious, or he's just straight up lying to her and he just didn't mm-hmm. bring those men um, because he plans to use them somewhere else. Well, how about the fact that he brings the family, the only other family that he brings mm-hmm. is the one who Rob chopped the main dude's head off, Rickard Karstark, oh, right? Oh, the cart, yeah. <laughs> he chopped his head off, and that's the family that Roose Bolton He's brings. like, I've got some people yeah. from Carhold. Doesn't he tell her it's it's to keep them close, right? He's like, oh, I think it's important to keep yeah, them close. Yeah, or to right. have a family who's most upset at you right there to help kill you when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Poor Arya. That's all I have to say. Yeah, whatever Bolton just did to a third of his force, <laughs> whatever didn't happen, is just it's all lies. It's all fucking lies. 
the Lannisters are on his side now. And th- knowing that Tywin Lannister, or yeah, it was already the warden of the East and the Hand of the King West. and all sorts of other junk. Um, to know that he is now that tied in with the North, it's like again he's just gaining control of the entire realm. In Catelyn's words, deftly done, Tywin Lannister, deftly done. Yeah, I mean this is a big, big deal. What's happening, and we we get the real scale of it in this Arya chapter. She's riding up with the Hound, and I'll skip a little bit of that just to speak specifically of how large the celebration is. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, on a scale that we really didn't get to dive into with the show because I feel like it was early. And it wasn't quite at the eight million per episode budget that we're sitting on now. <laughs> and I feel like there was so much more to be seen outside of the twins, the celebration of this royal, royal occasion. And it was really cool to be able to see that from this perspective. Apart from all the bad stuff, I thought it was just fun. Uh, and to know that the hound was there the whole time and that they're driving a cart that they stole that's full of pickled pig's feet <laughs> and salted pork. Gimli I want would, pickled uh, pig's Gimli feet now. I want to try that. Let's see if that's any good. Pickled pig's feet. I just can we can we just appreciate the hound like as an actor, <laughs> like as yeah, as, a, as a man among men. Can we just say as that? a man among as men who's legend. like totally just pretending to be uh, someone other than who he is. He's usually this brunt. You know, we're familiar with with this brunt guy who's um un- you know if his face were uncovered, uh, would give him away for yeah. a league in <laughs> advance. But he's just got a hood on. Bold of a man that looks like him, Eric, to to try to be someone else when your half of your face is burnt. Yeah, and he pulls it off this night. Who is this particularly stupid knight? I mean, this isn't just once that the mountain, or sorry, the hound has personally knocked this guy off a horse. He says he claimed several horses and that they actually fought in a melee match once and this knight just doesn't recognize him. Not only is the mountain one of the two most recognizable, uh, the Clegane brothers are just, you know, huge, monstrous men who everyone knows because he's probably killed someone you know and love. Um, he's just, you know, put a hood on and all of a sudden he's like Clark Kent or something. He can be anybody else that he wants to be. And Arya, I feel like this is an important lesson too, for someone as body, for someone as bulky as the hound to pull this off so deftly is like anyone can do it. I, I think that's like, it's a very short chapter, but that's something that she should take note of. You just need to wear what you're expected to wear. You need to have the right, uh, adornments to your, you know, to pull the right wagon and he's even able to keep Stranger with him. Yeah, that, that's one of the best parts. He's like, I'm just going to tie right. Stranger to this damn th- the wagon. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not getting rid of Stranger. He's my horse. Yeah. The Outriders came on them an hour from the Green Fork as the Wayne was slogging down a muddy road. Keep your head down and your mouth shut. That's the first dialogue, all right, in the whole chapter. Keep your head yeah. down and your mouth shut. The Hound warned her as the three spurred toward them, a knight and two squires, lightly armored and mounted on fast palfreys. Clegane cracked his whip at the team. He's just cracking whips as people are riding up to him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't even need to. A pair of old drays that are known better days. The wane was creaking and swaying, its two huge wooden wheels squeezing mud up out of the deep ruts. That's good imagery. In the road with every turn. Stranger followed, tied to the wagon. And that's when the big farmer comes, or that's when they come up and uh, they're asking who they are. And mm-hmm. he's like, you have business at the Twins? And he's like, yeah, salt pork for the wedding feast, if it please you, sir. He's mumbling his reply, reply. He's not even being particularly nice. He's just doing what he has to do to get the ruse through. It's perfect. And he has a backstory. Uh, he does have the, uh, the he is this he is the meanest horse in all the Seven Kingdoms. Let's just say that. But he says, oh, it's a gift. It's a it's a wedding gift. My lady told me to bring him, sir. He's a wedding gift for young Lord Tully. <laughs> it's like 
yeah, this new lord would love this beast of a horse. It's crazy. Stranger is basically one of those horses that you keep showing me from Red Dead Redemption with fire coming off of it. Yes. He's basically that horse. And Pretty much. he's just tethered to the wagon, like I said, because all of this all of this the best part about this is he didn't need to to do this. He's got Arya with him and he's gonna go see Rob. I mean it's smart for him to smell trouble. But at the end of the day, yeah. what he tells the Arya is, I didn't want to go in chains. Like, I didn't want to go there and be captured and then get released. Like, I want to basically sneak in and I want to be comfortable during this whole process. So for the sake of comfortability, uh, they robbed an old farmer of his wagon, stole everything he had, including his boots. And we're like, all right. So she's learning. She's getting it. All right. You have to do what you have to do mm-hmm. to do what mm-hmm. you want to do. Plain and simple. Sometimes you have to break yeah. a few eggs to make an omelet. Well, you always have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's actually a good thing that the Hound doesn't just turn Arya over to the first person that he encounters because I think it probably would have resulted in both of them being killed. Maybe Arya would have been ransomed or they would have put some value on her. But you know, clearly uh, the Hound is somebody who is – not liked by the Lannisters now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that there are Lannister men here, or at least Bannermen. Uh, yep. And Arya is another Stark. So her life would also be in jeopardy. And I would hate for um, Bolton to get his hands on her. I mean, he flays people for crying out loud. Well, he didn't yeah. recognize her the first time. That's true. That's true enough. It's interesting to me, though, that um, both of these chapters, one's coming from Catalan's perspective obviously, and the other from Arya's, but both have the same type of intuition as they approach the twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both have the same kind the of feeling. Uh, Arya, in particular, uh, it says, last night she'd had a bad dream, a terrible dream. Her belly was all knotted up tight. She couldn't remember what she dreamed of now, but the feeling had lingered all day. If anything, it had only gotten stronger. Uh, there was nothing between her and her mother but a castle gate, a river, and an army. But it was Rob's army, Rob's in italics. Uh, so there was no real danger there, was there? And then Roose Bolton is immediately mentioned after that, which is good intuition on her part. She knows that that is Rob's sworn person. She gets that. But she also knows that when she was in Hall, she greatly wanted to escape this person and his friends. So she sees the trouble. She knows. She knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I wonder, was it a wolf dream that she had? Well, that's that's the thing. It's not explicitly stated. Some, st- I mean, the different Starks, the various Starks are in different stages of uh, connection with their direwolves. Although Arya has had dreams before, hasn't she, where she's mm-hmm. been Nymeria. a wolf in the books. Yeah, yeah, Nymeria. But I feel like this one in particular, it says she doesn't remember it, so it could have been. Um, but I'm thinking like a general sense of dread led by the same sort of power. Yeah. Um, whatever, I mean, because the Grey Wind in the previous chapter, like – he knows that the fr- he can smell the ill will, I guess. Is, yeah, is- so much so that he doesn't hear Rob when Rob is calling to him. It's, right. there's, there's a moment where he kind of breaks out of his trance yeah. and finally uh, focuses so back on Rob. the wolf is tuned into this and Arya is getting that same mm-hmm. supernatural vibe. Catelyn not being blood-related to the Starks, I feel, is probably just – she's intelligent enough to realize uh, all of the signs of something being yeah. missed. Mm-hmm. But Arya, I feel like, yeah, it's probably brought on by this this connection, this power. Greywind felt the insincere intention of the people riding toward him in the welcoming party. You know, like mm-hmm. he, he sensed what was their real intent, whether it was dangerous or whether it was friendly. 
And uh, let's say he has a higher intuition than a normal dog or a normal wolf would have. Or human. Uh, or human. I mean, obviously. Because <laughs> I feel, I mean, it, clearly the animals have a, have a greater sense of that thing than we, that than we do. But he has Strike. Even, yeah, right? No, he's sleeping right now. <laughs> he, he's like, I sense that you're recording and ignoring me, so I will uh-huh. have my rest now. Yeah. But, but that's obviously not the case with uh, the rest of us here. But I feel like the hound, he's sort of like a dog. He, he kind of knows what's he going is. on. And Arya also knows what's going on, so yeah, we're in good. He's company. got a great line. He's got a great line later on in this chapter. Uh, to me, just as this chapter goes on, it gets sadder and sadder because we know the the wedding has already taken place. Um, it's, it's it's briefly mentioned, but uh, I wanted to read this one part. The music from the castles was louder here. The sound of the drums and horns rolled across the camp. The musicians in the nearer castle were playing a different song than the ones in the castle on the far bank, though, so it sounded more like a battle than a song. Hmm. They're not very good, Arya observed. <laughs> and then the hound says, I'd heard Walder Frey's eyes were failing, but no one mentioned his bloody ears. And it's just, you can tell at this point that the music, quote-unquote, that they're playing is is really to mask what's happening or what is about to happen. So like no. at that moment, yeah. her mother is being murdered. Yeah. And her brother. Yep. And she's just like, man, that band sucks. <laughs> like, Damn. Who, who hired this, this band? Um, oh, and the next passage, Arya found herself wishing it were day. If the sun was out and the wind was blowing, she would have been able to see the banners better. Yeah. She would have looked for the dire wolf of Stark or maybe the Sir battle axe or the glove of fist. But in the gloom of night, all the colors looked gray. The rain had dwindled down to a fine drizzle, almost a mist, but an earlier downpour had left the banners wet as dish rags, sodden and unreadable. Jeez. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're looking at the uh, ending, the finish of a storyline that has been going since book one, uh, which is this Catelyn and well, Rob's journey, um, which was, of course, more of a book two thing. Um, but this plot line and these characters who we've been with, we've been with Catelyn, um, all this time and seeing that terminate and then realizing that um, part of also like, there's still part of Arya. She doesn't know who Queen Jane is. There's this question, like they're drinking to the health of Queen Jane. Here's to the young wolf and Queen Jane. Who is Queen Jane? Arya wondered briefly. The only queen she knew was Cersei. So she's out of it. She doesn't really know what her brother has done. um, Even though we've, you know, as readers know all about it and know why this is happening to Rob and 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 um her mother but she doesn't know she doesn't know anything about this she doesn't know anything about the agreement she's been uh, just trying to escape uh you know from king's landing with her life and just wants to see her mom again but that is not going to happen this is like in the books too they're so close together um but it just doesn't happen for these yeah. characters they won't see each other again she's so much trying to find something that's familiar to her right yeah. as she's going through the camp nothing is familiar to her. Everything is, she says, all she saw were strangers. Mm-hmm. There's no Maester Lewin. There's no, no Winterfell. There's nothing that she can kind of grasp onto that uh, is going to make her feel comfortable. And yeah, she does see some banners that she recognizes. But, yeah. Right. But, but mostly it, it's those, as especially as she gets closer to the castle, that she doesn't recognize. And. Jeez. I know I mentioned earlier the, the masking of the music, uh, but even towards the end of the chapter, 
Uh, it's mentioned that Arya heard shouted toasts and the clash of cups mixed in with all the usual camp sounds, horses whinnying and dogs barking, wagons rumbling through the dark, laughter and curses, the clank and clatter of steel and wood. The music grew still louder as they approached the castle, but under that was a deeper, darker sound, the river, the swollen green fork, growling like a lion in its den. This is If that wasn't a hint, <laughs> oh, I don't know what geez. was. I can't... I feel... Oh man! After you feel after, dirty, don't you? No, you pointed out the the music, and obviously this was this was tumultuous to me during my reading and before coming in to record. Uh, it me- obviously, it was clearly important and meant something. We've been going through this book, yada yada yada, and I'm sure all of you at home felt. I mean, George wrote it to feel this way, but after having the knowledge of of just just after just after exploring that the the music. I knew the music was to mask it, but that it's masking it happening right now, and that George is writing this, knowing what's happening just through the through the walls that the Lordlings are locked inside of. It's just all of these paragraphs. All of you at home, I I challenge you to not only listen to this episode. Like, yeah, great, you're hearing us commentate on it. That's wonderful. Read this on your own, and if you're not reading along with us, um, still go find this passage, find this chapter, go to your bookstore if you don't own the book. And uh, just flip to these pages and read these last handful of paragraphs. In my paperback, Holy it's crap, uh, six. Man. Yeah, six eighty-eight is the page that I'm on. It's <laughs> like rough. this chapter. I'm like yeah. I'm looking at it, and mm-hmm. each par- there's these paragraphs are almost perfectly um, the same length, and they have just different cadence to how sad it is. It's just boom, 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 and just going through different things. Holy shit! This yeah, is, yep. that is really. This is, I mean, Arya is thinking whether or not uh, her mom and brother are even going to recognize her because the hound gave her a haircut. She is still looking forward to it. She's still thinking that it's a possibility that she's ever going to see her mom again. The last time that she saw her mom, which is referenced in this chapter, is when Eddard Stark rode south from Winterfell. I mean, that was so long ago. Yep. Yep. It's been that long. And so much has happened to these characters and so much has yet to happen to one of three of those three characters mm-hmm. one of those three starks but um it's it's heart-wrenching the hound is is serving as a just a, a sharp dose of reality i believe in this chapter mm-hmm. with his humor with his just his very realistic approach to the world when sir donald high let them through it first kind of mm-hmm. easily this next person when they're close to the wedding he's not letting him through he's like Salt pork is not fit for a lord's wedding feast, and he goes, well, "I got." And also, the castle's closed. I got pickled pig's feet too, sir. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he's "Oh, like, that's no. not all we have. We don't just have salt pork." <laughs> he listen. You know that that Sandor knew pickled pig's feet would not be more attractive for the feast. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, he's "Oh, just, pickled pig's feet! Yeah, Come on in." Like, I have that too, and he's like, "Not for the yeah. feast, you don't." No, nope. I'm a Northman, not some milk suck Southron knight. <laughs> and yeah. so, clearly, clearly, that's the place that. Sandor plays in this chapter amidst all of this this heavy, heavy imagery with Arya. Very, very well done. Uh, and then at the end of the very end of this chapter, we hear of the reason why, like, she's like, shouldn't we stop? I think it's getting to her, like, at this point. She's just like, I can't take this ride, essentially, any longer. There's Northman in the tents. She could tell. She was starting to see it. She's like, maybe the Karstarks and the Umbers are here. And uh, she's like, maybe there are Winterfell people here, too. Who knows? And he says, your brother will be in the castle, your mother too, you want them or not? She says, yes, what about Sedgkins? And this is the person that the sergeant had told him to go find. He says, Sedgkins can bugger himself with a hot poker. 
Clegane shook out his whip and said, he whips the horse again. It's your, it's your bloody brother. I want Uh kind of a last minute uh, dose of reality. Bloody. Yeah. And a last minute bit of Im- imagery before we dive into Catelyn's final chapter and the red wedding. It sounds like the hound is going to gain access to the, to the, the dinner hall. If it's yeah. the last thing he does, him yeah. and his horse are just going to leap the, the wall or something and He'll get just in there. whip his way through. Yeah. Yeah. So poor Sedgkins, if that ends up happening. Oh man. Oh man. You know, the, he played, I feel like this is almost, uh, a, a storified version of great mythology, which is these fates intertwining and this, this very uh, realistic sort of sardonic fairy man that's taking Arya to where she needs to go, you know, with his, uh, humor and his twisted sense of, uh, personality. It's just, it's so fitting. And I think that this was incredibly well written and uh set up and i cannot wait to get to the next chapter it's gonna be so fun i love the hound i love how nice he is to Arya, how helpful he is to Arya, rather and how he was the same way he's tender with sansa and it's just like who he is he's this he's this man you would not think was this way but he is very intelligent and competent and interested and you could argue that he's just interested in money um, you know, for, for getting, getting his own gold back. But in the way of that, he is extremely useful to characters that we really care about. Um, the Starks and knowing what he does next after, of course, the realization of what is actually going on here. Um, it just makes us, I think makes him a, a an even greater character. Well, you can't give him your own for Catelyn's chapter. Even though they're kind of in the same place, but oh, because it's Catelyn's. Damn, because I have one for Arya, but I don't have one for Catelyn. Somebody else go. Um, for Catelyn, I'm actually going to give it to Walder Frey. Okay, yeah. all right. It's the line when he's talking uh, after Rosalind speaks for the first time, and she's crying, and he says, "We'll have music, such sweet music, and wine." Heh. <laughs> The red will run and uh, will put some wrongs right. Uh, well done, Micah. For shame, but well done. <laughs> <laughs> My own will go to... There's a lot of different things in this chapter that are own-worthy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the own should go to Roos Bolton for yeah for being this linchpin inside of this plan and for being such a swell actor. And for having the audacity to bring a strip of Theon's skin as a token to the Starks um, from Ramsay. And to talk about it freely. To be like, yes, we do have Theon captured and I'm yep. going to do what I want with him. He's a he's a decent bargaining chip and we've got all those Greyjoy men, those damned pirates to deal with. I just mm-hmm. feel like that was a pretty ballsy thing to do. And to know, uh, to also to get a, a mention of Theon we're not used to that so far in the book in the way that we have. I know that we're familiar with this storyline from the show, but to those of us that have read for the first time, I'm sure this was a pretty interesting moment to learn that he was being flayed. So <laughs> inch by inch. Yeah. So yeah. there you have it. No, I, my own's going to be extremely similar. Uh, Lord Bolton. And it is for that same exact moment when they're talking about Theon, here's a quote. He is Balin Greyjoy's only living son. And now rightful King of the Iron Islands, a captive King has great value as a hostage. And then Catelyn takes objection because she wants to see him dead. <laughs> but he says, whoever wins the Seastone chair will want Theon Greyjoy 
dead, even in chains he has a better claim than any of his uncles, hold him, I say, and demand concessions from the Ironborn as the price of his execution. Then it says, Rob considered that reluctantly, but in the end he nodded. Yes, very well, keep him alive then, for the present. Hold him secure at the Dreadfort till we've retaken the north. Here is an order from the king to basically continue doing to Theon what you were already going to do anyway, from a king who is about to die anyway, and you know it. And you're still reasoning with the king to, like, get permission to to do what you're doing. And if anybody asks Roose Bolton, he can say, the king commanded this. Like, Mm -hmm. Rob Stark told me to do this to Theon, which is the worst possible thing you could do to somebody else. And so, yeah, Roose Bolton... Well, it's not like Theon... You know, is is a good guy. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to fight you on this, Micah. Uh, well, he's the whole reason that Ramsey even has control of Winterfell at this point. You know, Ramsey is very charismatic and tricked Theon. Tricks anyway, <laughs> uh, for the Arya chapter, I have to give my own uh, to Arya. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just for her recollection of the fact that the Hound was an even worse barber than Yorin. God damn it. My own is for Yorin for that same reason. <laughs> I just love the mention of Yorin. Yeah. Not it, was, bad. It, it was a throwback. My my own goes to Yorin for being a better barber than the Hound. <laughs> Are you serious? That's All right. Yeah. So we uh, – <laughs> yeah. uh, Okay. Okay. Well, my own, easy. my own goes to the Hound, all right, for <laughs> having the audacity to steal a wagon of salted pork – and to drive that wagon of salted pork into a royal wedding, uh, I mean royal in the sense of there are royal people there, not royal. Mm-hmm. They're not. There's not a king or queen being married, but uh, you know, <laughs> I think that that is just brilliant. And only Sandor Clegane would have tried to pull that off, and he did. Mm-hmm. So high five, Sandor, and you received my own. Nice. I have a lot of uh, love for Yorin because of uh, where I'm at rewatching the series uh. because he's currently taking her to the wall. But yeah, get, he, seeing him get mentioned and, and that uh, he is a better barber than the Hound is is using mm. uh, one more skill to his yeah. CV. Um, That's not bad. Which he won't need anymore. Well, of course, uh, we got a bunch of owns sent in by yes. you, the listeners. And uh, we can head on over to Facebook first where uh, – we had a lot of uh, good owns sent in, scrawled upon our wall. The first from our council member, Simon. Hello, Simon. Who says, Simon you see what says, I did there? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the own goes to the twins. Arya observes the castle as spooky and mysterious, like something from one of old Nan's tales. Imagine in a thousand years how this place will be spoken about. Even if all the frays are long gone and dead, the castle where a king was betrayed and murdered, where one of the oldest laws in the world were broken, the rule of guest right. Maybe then, too, in a thousand years, a boy like Bran will like the story of the twins because he, too, likes scary stories. I love this. You know, this this guest right thing, I just wish somewhere that there's a religion honoring that there's this god figure who protects the guest right. Like, where is the vengeance where is the actual repercussion for breaking this rule which is one of the oldest rules as simon points out and uh i want to know i want to know what penalty breaking this guest right will bring upon these damn phrase and we haven't seen it yet so hopefully really terrible terrible penalties yeah great own simon great own 
We got a uh, somewhat of a comical image. I love uh, you can do this on on social media. You can include an image uh, as your own. Grace Falula uh, says pretty much, and it's an image of a wolf running and running. <laughs> it says, <laughs> "I am the king of the north. I will avenge my father." And then it's a photo of that same wolf upended on his face with legs in the air, flailed and. <laughs> He slipped and fell. I, I think the first image is a wolf, the second is a dog, and the third is a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it kind of looks like. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what? Yeah, yeah there you go. That's a well. It's not actually a polar bear, but he's got. It's a the, face it's like the a evolution bear. of a of uh, of a dire wolf in the world of westerns. Oh, wow. right? Dire like wolves that. are probably all three of those things that had sex with each other. And <laughs> yeah, they have a master ball. <laughs> wow. Joe Ludwigson writes in. He says, "Excellent. These chapters are so memorable." I agree. Not just because of what happens and the effect that it all has moving forward, but the way it is written. I've never forgotten how each word written, each beat made me feel. I hope you enjoy the experience. And uh, I I absolutely have. And I think that my friends here have as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love this throwback mention. Christina V. Klein, drum roll for... <laughs> Roos Trollton. Mm-hmm. How long has it been since we have called him that right. on this spiffed, show? All spiffed. Oh, I love it. It's great because before before he worked for Watchers, you know, before Watchers even existed, uh, he was listening uh-huh. to Game of Bones and threw down Roos Trollton. So, yeah, that's a great callback. Roos Trollton gets Christina's own. What a calm and crafty liar. Like the Kaiser Soze, also good reference. <laughs> Yes. Geyser Soze of Westeros, uh, of all the known world on planet Hodor, even. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I guess the planet is called Hodor. That makes How sense. How much of his story can we even believe? Sure, some of these details may be true, at least as much as it can be corroborated, but I wonder, I wanda, I walda, and <sighs> houndaria. How I adore these characters together, especially the moment as they're approaching the twins near the loud and terrible music. Arya says so, and he makes a sound that might have been a laugh before making a jest of his own. Aw, oh, they're bonding. P.S. We do have the next two before the break. I have faith in your goobilities, guys. That's right. Um, it's a little early to mention this, but there's yet another Catelyn and Arya chapter following. Yes. Mm-hmm. We also heard so much from... pain. <laughs> so yeah. much pain and so, so much few pain. pages. Ivana Svetanovich. Svetanovich. Own for the Catalan chapter goes to Lord Walder Frey for practically telling Rob what is going to happen, <laughs> but in a way that nobody on Rob's side could understand it at the time. We'll have music, such sweet music, and wine. Erica, I need you to do a he. <laughs> the red will run, <laughs> and we'll put some wrongs aright. He also tells Rob, you wanted crossing, and I gave it to you, and you never said mayhaps. <laughs> An oblique reference to a child's game popular at the Twins. This is a reference to our chapter reading. <laughs> oh, okay. Twins, the two ass-holish, ass- ass-holish, eight-year-old right, phrase, yeah. Litterwalder, and Big Walder playing in Winterfell with Brandon Ricken in A Clash of Kings. So long The ago. rules are that you ask the Lord of the Crossing to pass the river, and he has a stick and can ask you to make vows and promises. But the trick is to say mayhaps when he's not paying attention. <sighs> then you can try to take his stick and knock him into the water and win the game. But if you do that and haven't said mayhaps, you're out of the game. So Lord Walder is really telling Rob he's out of the game. And when we... Now also know who taught the two little Walders that game and that Lord Walder's way of thinking and emotional maturity is that of an eight-year-old. This is my favorite thing. 
That is amazing. Amazing. That is the level that George is riding on. Do you remember how long ago that 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 was set up and we were talking about it? I can't remember if we had if we had experienced the red wedding through the show yet, Mike. I think we had, and you were like, "This is foreshadowing this." (laughs) Love it. So long ago. Peggy scrawls, intuition gets the own in the Catlin chapter. They should have listened to the wolf and her gut. Can't hear it over all that water. Colton scrawls, own to Walter Frey, as his legs are no longer fit to kneel, yet to that which lies between is still young and viril. Mm. Mm. Aria, own to Green Fork, for its ominous growling like a lion in its den. Yeah, we got that. We got it. <laughs> Thanks, Colton. And we heard from Tim Mulligan who says, own to Greywind for being the only member of Rob's crew to know that something is up. Also wanted to mention that a couple chapters ago, we learned that Balin Greyjoy's lost brother, who returned the day King Balin died, is nicknamed the Crow's Eye. Think he is our drowned crow perched on the shoulder of a faceless man? Question mark. Also, every time a faceless man is mentioned, I always ask myself, where's Jacken? And what was his mission in Westeros? Huh. These are very yep. astute questions. So, of course, uh, when we met with the uh, ghost of High Heart, right? Yeah. She had mentioned this drowned crow perched on the shoulder of a faceless man. And then not long thereafter, we learned of the death of Balin Greyjoy. So, uh, yeah, could be a connection between Euron uh, Greyjoy, the crow's eye, and uh, what happened to Balin. I'm so pleased that um, all of Jaken is like ahead of in the show right now like she's about to meet him she's at heron hall and she's about to, to meet him she rescued him the other day but oh when you're watching i was like yeah when i'm watching about? in the show yeah my rewatch sorry, <laughs> sorry that was confusing <laughs> yeah all right see him in season five <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh those were all the owns we got on facebook we did get uh, a few on twitter the first from zen timberwolf <laughs> i love that name that's it's pretty good name. Peaceful. My own goes to Edmure for helping clean up Rob's mess and getting a better deal out of it with Walder's only hot daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe Schaefer writes, Owen has to go to GRM for building a sense of dread and oncoming doom despite the appearance that everything is going so well. Very true. Very doom. Very dread. Much bad. And Gil Pound writes in, Owen for Arya goes to the Hound. Quote, what about Sedgkins, the hound? Sedgkins can bugger himself with a hot poker. <laughs> Perfect. Uh-huh. I think that's a, a fabulous way to wrap up our listener owns this week. And uh, mm-hmm. for those of you listening that haven't written in ever, because <laughs> there's a lot of you, and those of you listening that have that maybe kind of wait to this, uh, until the season for the musical aspect where Eric reads it very quickly and it's exciting, think to yourself, when will I get the opportunity to send in my own for the Red Wedding ever again? Because that's what's going to happen. We have some interesting things planned between here and the season's beginning. But Mm -hmm. before all of that, we have the Red Wedding to tend to. So think, feel, ruminate, and send in your owns. Eric will tell you how to do it. If you would like to submit your owns for the Red Wedding, Catelyn and Arya chapter following, do so via Facebook. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. That's our wall. You can scroll upon it. Also, we have uh, plenty of exciting, fun memes and things on there that we share from us to you. But that's a way to send us your owns. Also, you can do so on Twitter at ReplyUs, at Game of Owns on Twitter. You know, compose a tweet, tell us what you like, and at ReplyUs with it. And also emails for your longer format owns. Contact at GameofOwns.com is the address. Simply compose an email using your 
nearest available web client. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, one other that. way <laughs> you can get in touch with the show is on iTunes. You can leave a rating and review of the show. And given that the television series is about to come back in just about three weeks, we know there are going to be a lot of uh, listeners similar to yourselves who are looking for something that discusses uh, what's going on in the world of Westeros. So we thank you in advance. Uh, head on over to iTunes. Nothing less than five stars uh, is acceptable in the month of March. That's true. Uh, just like our good friend SoCal Jen, who said, if you watch Game of Thrones, you have to listen to this podcast. Mm. Uh, as in, we also heard, um, and I'm reading a few here because it's been a while, I think, since we read these reviews, but these are yeah. fairly recent. We also heard from our good friend, original Sam Shu, Good. who says, top tier Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Woo. It is fast paced and nice. well edited. Zach, thank you. <laughs> nice work. For well editing the show. <laughs> The chemistry between the hosts is refreshing and comfortable. I like the combination of serious knowledge and fresh eyes looking at what can be well-worn territory in different hands. Bravo. Thank you. Are we Thank just you. good friends with all of these, all of these people? Like, as soon as they give us five stars, we're like, that's all it takes to be our friend. Like, oh, we're yes. friends with you. Okay, good. Well, can you read Bobcat C6's review? Because his name is super cool. He says, the go-to podcast. I like how he did that. Goo is the glue for Game of Thrones. (laughs) Insightful commentary from a group you love to hang out with. Not a single person that you'd like to feed to Drogon, unlike many of the competitors. Content aimed at both sullied and unsullied. Spoilers avoided without being pompous jerks. Again, unlike others. It's the place to go for serious Game of Thrones viewers. Sorry about Kate. Both hopeful young men and wistful old farts going to miss that laugh. Aww. But maybe Eric could substitute with a little practice. <laughs> but seriously, folks, this is <laughs> the, the one. Uh, so thank you, <laughs> Bobcat, true. for that. Uh, oh, he's calling me. Oh, <laughs> bat phone, Micah. We, we, we promised we'd answer if they ever called. And then finally, one review here, uh, Eric, because I know you also do this podcast. Five stars are simply not enough, but they'll do. This is from Twirl on Fire 08, and I'm assuming it's her, but you never know. Uh, I heard of this podcast through Alohomora. Uh, I started listening about a month or so ago, and I'm only halfway through. I have switched. <laughs> is it George Martin? <laughs> They're leaving a message. Is it George Martin calling? You want us to finish Winds of Winter for you. Uh, I don't know, George. That seems like a pretty big task. Why don't you just skip a few cons? <laughs> George, George, rate rate this laugh. Give it a one to ten. How 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 much does this laugh sound like Kate? <laughs> kind, of, kind of perfectly like Kate. All right. Let's get let's get through. I'm all sorry right, about right, that. Right. Uh I started listening about a month or so ago and I'm only halfway through. I've switched from an Apple device to a Samsung and have logged onto my iTunes for the specific reason that this show deserved their five-star iTunes reviews. Uh, I love how they focus on both the books and the show, drawing similarities from other works of art and literature. Uh, My favorite is when they read excerpts from the books. Uh, Besides the slight name mispronunciation, what? Uh, Which I've since just accepted. (laughs) We all do. Uh, Yeah. 
it's it's how we interpret it. Okay, twirl on fire. If that's your I'm real name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, twirl on fire. It's a free fucking show. Uh, I can't find anything wrong with these guys. This podcast is exactly what I've been looking for. Keep up the good work. Thank you. So uh, thanks, and I'm sure Eric is excited that uh, you learned about us through uh, Alohomora, which is uh, a Harry Potter podcast that uh, Eric is involved with. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate these reviews, and I really like hearing from people that you know they just started the show, uh, you know, not that long ago, and they're making their way through it. She's halfway through, or he is halfway through, and uh, that's a lot of episodes. You know, we're on um, what is this two hundred and sixty-four? Yep. I read so, an yeah, email uh, a few days back that came through, and the, the the listener said that they were they had just finished their second listen through of every episode. And, oh my god! Yeah, and I was like, wow, that is some love for Game of Thrones. So it's a real pleasure to to share our conversations and our love for the series with you all. And uh, it's amazing to hear nice mm-hmm. words sent in review form. Obviously, not everyone can have the time to do something like this, but to those of you that do. We greatly appreciate it. And to those of you who don't, we still love you. Yeah. I would like to just uh, write an open letter now uh, to that listener who wrote to us, although I can just reply in the email. But okay. no, open letter to everybody. If you are if you are going through our show and finding that you are wanting even more content than uh, what can be found on our uh, busty podcast feed of boasting 264 episodes, uh, please remember there is also – Patreon, our patreon.com slash goo feed has a number of bonus content, all that can be attained by becoming one of our bannermen. Isn't that right, Zach? Yes. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Sorry, I could sense my heater was coming on, so I had to throw that away quick. My name is Mika. I'm a good friend of, I'm actually petting my dog right now. He looks very happy. How does that work on Starbucks cups? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, back, uh, getting, getting back to it. There, there are a number of things that we do, um, that are related to thrones and even some that aren't, but, uh, which we make available to our closest friends, our subscribers, our small council, um, and to find out basically what those things are and to see if you yourself might be interested, please visit patreon.com. Yeah. Slash goo. These donations are what keeps the show afloat and what opens up opportunities for us to do interesting things in the future, like uh, a few impending live shows that we have yet to discuss, like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the camel stuff. <laughs> the camel. Wait, what? Yeah, we're buying a camel. We're buying a camel. It's going to be a, a We've camel. adopted a camel. We've adopted With a camel. Funds we adopted, yeah, that's much better. Yeah. Because honestly, I mean, if we bought it and strike saw it, it'd probably be the end of the camel, to be honest with you. No, they'll be best friends. Unless we, back you know, we camel. got them. Camels That's, kick. Camels do kick. But, uh, as, as both of these guys Camels mentioned, kick. it's really great content. Maybe I'm biased in saying that, but you know, just in terms of uh, behind the scenes of of everything that we do here on the show, um, and you know, actually, Eric and I, not that long ago, recorded uh, the Red Wedding chapter together live and in person, and that's going to be going up on our, our Patreon. Yes. Uh, and we have regular meetings uh, with, with what we call our small council. Uh, we Google Hangout with them, and a uh, really great way to get to know um, a lot of the listeners out there. We really enjoy spending time with them and getting to know them, talking even more Thrones uh, than we do here. And they help us make some decisions regarding the show very recently, which is kind of the whole purpose of having a small council. So that's that's also a really nice mechanic, and that that was fun to do. 
And in general, making the chapters with all the extra content is super fun, and and providing the chapter readings has been a really fun process for us just to dive even deeper into the books and to um, give kind of our own personal takes during those recordings. So uh, that's going to be fun. And when we stop for this new season, we have that opening of our content that's going to be really interesting to fill, and we have a plan for that that we'll probably share on next week's episode or, or uh, some week approaching uh, the show beginning because I think it's a surprise that you guys will enjoy. So stick around for that. Definitely stick around. If there's one time to not leave the show, it's now. So don't do it. All, All right, right guys, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should leave now stick because the show is the ending. You are hearing some music right now. And next week, we finally reach the fateful conclusion. Things aren't really concluded, but we are finally at the Red Wedding. It's here. The rains are falling. The river's churning. Guys, you can hear it. 